0: It can become easy to gloss over if we become a Christian for any length of time. We've read it so many times. It becomes familiar, important, yes, virtuous, life-changing. But we try and distance ourselves. It becomes dignified and appropriate. And it was anything but. This was our Savior, God incarnate, wrapped in flesh and blood, being whipped, spit at, and tortured in the most horrific way possible for me and for you. In preparing for this talk, I watched a video about the mechanics of crucifixion, and it was horrifying. The Roman executioners went to great lengths to ensure that crucifixion victims had the most unbearable experience possible. This included positioning their legs in such a way that it made it excruciating just to take a breath, as if crucifixion wasn't bad enough. And yet, as he was up there on the cross, barely able to catch his breath, Jesus chose to use what little energy and breath he had left to say to his mother, woman, behold your son. Maybe some of you know that this was his way of fulfilling biblical law. Ensuring that Mary, who was almost certainly widowed at this time, had someone who provide a roof over her head and to just look after her, which, considering the circumstances, is magnificent in and of itself. But as I read it again, I wondered if there was something deeper, more meaningful, which is so often the case in the word, which is why I love it so much. When he uses the word woman, he's not distancing himself from her. It's an honorific, a way of addressing someone respectfully, like rabbi or sir. I don't know if he always used this honorific with her, but I do know that he used it one other time and place. And it is intriguing to me that the inspired word of God chose to tell us that he used it these two times for sure. Because Mary's a mom, and moms are generally the people who walk around with our kids either at the front or the back of our minds. We're also the ones who flip through our memories constantly. I mean, let's be honest, the iPhoto pop-up that comes up once a week basically aimed at us. (laughs) Same with the Facebook, like memory feed thing, see your photos, this four years ago today, and we bite every time. We click on our own picture. We love it. It's just how most of us are wired, and Mary was no exception. Several times in scripture, usually after a major encounter with Jesus, either his birth or after being MIA for three days and found in the temple teaching a bunch of rabbis, he says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? We're told that Mary treasured or pondered up these things in her heart. She was a memories girl. And the tiniest thing can set us off. A song, a smell, a photo, a phrase. So when I read this phrase with the honorific, woman, behold your son, and my mind jumped to a memory that I've only read about several times where he used this honorific, I felt almost certain that Mary's mind might have gone there too, and that Jesus, knowing her so well, might have used that word specifically so that it would. It was at the wedding in Cana. The hosts had run out of wine. Most of us know the story. It's in John 2. Mary says to Jesus, They're out of wine. And Jesus responds, Woman, there's that honorific. What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Then she tells the servants, Do what he says. And being a good boy, he does what she says and performs his first miracle, which ushers in the beginnings of his three year ministry, which leads to ultimately this hour. This hour when death and sin would be defeated. In choosing that honorific here at the cross, I wonder if he knew that his memory-loving mom would just for a moment be transported from that heart-piercing agony she was feeling to the time when he spoke of this very hour for the first time. Which might also, while she's in that particular storehouse of memories, send her on course to when she and Joseph took Jesus, aged one month old-ish, to be blessed in the temple. And Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit, said to Mary that Jesus was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and that a sword would pierce through her own soul, so that the thoughts from many hearts would be revealed." See, our minds are fascinating, and our Creator knows how quickly we can jump from one memory to another. He also knows the power that our minds have to anchor us in even the darkest of hours. Jesus Christ, our Savior, the purest, most incredible human being to ever walk the face of the earth, was pierced for our transgressions, as it was prophesied in Isaiah 53. Beaten until he was almost unrecognizable and attached to a cross. He was fighting the fight to end all fights. Yet when he saw his mother, in agony of heart, weeping at the foot of the cross, he was selfless and powerful enough to speak such words of love and comfort that would provide not only long term practical stability, but also stability of heart mind, and soul. Maybe because of that one word, that honorific, she could, in those next few days of intense grief, not only have a roof over her head and someone with whom she could grieve, but maybe she could also have a few memories with which she could ponder or treasure in her heart as she remembered all that surrounded the birth and life of her son, whom she loved and followed to the bitter end or so she thought. The encouragement for us today is that Jesus looks upon and loves us all like that. He wants us to remind us who he is and draw from a storehouse of memories in our relationship with him, to uphold and encourage us when things look bleak. He'll look after us not only practically, but emotionally and spiritually and mentally. The challenge we face is whether or not we have that storehouse of memories with him. How many iPhoto or Facebook memories would you have if we could peek into your day-to-day walk with him? Are you talking to him daily in prayer, reading his word on a regular basis, expectant that because it's the light, living, wording, living, breathing word of God, you'll get a fresh revelation of him? Are we asking him for that? Do we want that? Do we even want to want that? If he is willing to die in such a horrific, selfish, shocking way for us, and while doing so, take notice of the needs of those around him, why can't we be willing to take a few moments out of our day to praise him, to thank him, to build up that storehouse of memories with him? If we do, he will care for us, and at the bitter end, it won't be. Amen.